Okay, I try to keep my notes succinct because I could probably talk about this for two hours. So. <laughs> Welcome to the Greatest Lists Podcast, a show about music and lists. Take it away, boys. Welcome to a special episode of The Greatest Lists. I am your host, Eric, with my buddy, Jason. And today we are celebrating the 35th anniversary of Def Leppard's Hysteria album. Yes. <laughs> this is literally being recorded on a whim. Um, mm-hmm. A couple of days ago was the, was the actual anniversary. And I just happened to mention to Jason uh, that we should have planned something for the anniversary. And Jason said, well, I can take notes tonight and we can record. So here we are two yep. days later recording an, an episode about this. This doesn't um, have to be right on the anniversary. You know, no, we can I celebrate mean, it anytime we want to, right? I mean, literally, I celebrate it every day. I mean, come <laughs> on. <laughs> um, I, you know, I've got a, I've got a quite a history with the album just because I was a I was a teenager when it came out. I was mm-hmm. seventeen. It came out when I was in high school. I was a pretty big Def Le- Leppard fan already. Uh, when it came out and um, and I just I fell in love with the album as soon as I heard it mm-hmm. and uh, I saw them in concert for that you know for for, for that tour and oh, uh, wow. and so um, it, it, there, there's, there aren't many albums that are 35 years old that still hold up as well as this one does um, oh no and, doubt and I know there are varying opinions on that uh, but uh, in my mind, even then, it was pretty near a perfect album, and I still think that it still holds up close to that 35 years later. Let me tell you, there's only two opinions that matter for this show, and I think <laughs> I think we are both in agreement that this is just one hell of an album. Wow, no, that's that's a perfect way to put it. It is it is one hell of an album. <laughs> What's your what's your personal history with the album? Yeah, so uh, I was uh, 11 years old when this came out, so I'm a little wow. bit younger than you. So this was yeah. my real introduction to Def Leppard, and I might have heard some tracks from Pyromania, you know, before that. But sure. pour some sugar on me. Let me tell you, that was huge. It was a pretty <laughs> definitive moment in my memory. Yes. I remember I was at the neighbor kid's house up the street. And we borrowed the cassette from his sister. Oh, and nice. that memory just lingers on us playing and rewinding, pour some sugar on me continually. That is uh, so funny. You know, from the, in the stereo. And that was when I first discovered it. And then I do remember hearing it climb the charts, you know, listening to American top 40 on the weekends. Sure. So really pour some sugar on me is my introduction to Def Leppard. See, I had the same, I had the same experience, but with Pyromania, mm-hmm. my cousin played uh rock of ages for me, you know, that weird intro okay. to it. Oh yeah. We, we played that and the song just kept rewinding it over and over. Yeah. That yeah. Yeah. We played that. I don't know how many times in a row, just, <laughs> I mean, just, just flabbergasted at what, what in the world were we listening to? So that was my introduction to Def Leppard. So when this came out, it was just, I was just, I was blown away by just the, uh-huh. the whole, just the, just the entirety of the album. Oh yeah. Yeah. And uh, I eventually owned the album on cassette and then CD and another moment surrounding this album that has just stuck with me in my brain uh, was in my college years, which was 
uh, late nineties, 96 to 2000 was when I, when I was in college, I went to a small Christian college and my freshman year, we had this almost second wave of the satanic panic push through oh, Okay, no. at the dorm. And uh, if memory serves me right, there was a professor or somebody that met with the guys in the dorm one night and walked us through and warned us about all this devil music we were listening to. And, uh, you know, at the time I had just come out of the Columbia house and BMG era. So I yeah. had like two massive CD binders full of music. And, you know, there was a few guys going door to door asking if, Oh, let me smash all your, you know, devil music. <laughs> no, really? Really? Yeah. That's so uh, so that's one that's song amazing. I remember pointing out like during this little presentation was love bites. And at the very end, it's this, I don't know if it's an urban legend, if it's true, oh, yes. the, the band denies it, but at the very end, as it's fading out, there's that weird uh, voice that's in there. And it has this lyric that sounds like Jesus Christ of Nazareth, go to hell, you yes. know, and I, you know, I never really gave in to peer pressure as a kid. And right. Love Bites really isn't one of my favorite songs on the album. So yeah. I was just like, oh, I'll just skip it. You're yeah. not smashing my music. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm keeping it. I paid good money for this album to Columbia House or BMG, whatever, at the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, that's that's weird. Just that one song and that little lyric in there that, oh, my God, they're, you know, filling your brains with garbage. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so, great yeah that's, that is great that just you know resonates with me surrounding this album yeah but yeah that's awesome one more thing too i remember just being enamored with uh it's, it's rick allen right the drummer yeah. yeah just being enamored with how he is able to drum with one arm yes watching the yeah. music videos seeing how his setup was on the drums and like the 12 pedals that are underneath yeah, it. I mean, you know? it's, it's truly amazing that, um, you know, even just to watch him live, you you know that he's playing what you're hearing. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing that he even relearned how to do all that. Right. Yeah. I mean, just to think about the time and dedication you have to be to retrain yourself uh, yeah. now with one arm and all of these pedals, to play mm -hmm. with your feet and to watch him play he's barefoot you yeah. know so it's i don't know it would has always amazed me watching him and watching his setup and watching him in the music videos yeah. and how he's able to you know come up with uh you know some of the fills and everything that he does during these songs yeah. we're talking about it's, well, he, it's amazing even during the pyromania days he was barefoot then but he, when he first had his new drum setup his one arm drum setup he had buttons that he could push on the floor and he goes being barefoot really came in handy because i could use my toes to push buttons on the pedals gotcha. yeah so he said he said uh, that's why he goes now he goes I, I rarely if i if ever play drums with with shoes on anymore because yeah. of all the things i have to do now to compensate for you know yeah anything it, arm, so. but even as an 11 year old 12 year old kid, oh, yeah. you know watching the videos that came out and watching him it's i was just amazed yeah. Oh, I still am. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it's still, it doesn't matter how, you know, how far technology advances for anything. Watching that guy play drums is ridiculously amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Well, let's get into let's get into a little bit of the history, let's and do it. statistics, and then we'll move on to some to, to some songs. Um, so, Hysteria is Def Leppard's fourth studio album. It was released on August the third, nineteen eighty seven. Um, and it's their best-selling album to date, selling over 20 million copies worldwide mm. and spawning seven hit singles. It also checks in at 62 minutes long. That was the, that was the first thing that surprised me when I first got my hands on the tape was that how long it was. Yeah. It just went on forever and ever. Um, the album charted at number one in both uh, the Billboard and the UK charts. Uh, and like Pyromania before it, it was produced by uh, Mutt Lang. Mm-hmm. Uh, and interestingly enough, Mutt Lang also shares a writing credit on every track on the album. So this album pr- pretty much set him for life when he did that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, originally, Mutt Lang opted out of working with the band for this album, uh, citing his schedule and exhaustion. Uh, and in his place, they brought in a guy named Jim, Jim Steinman, who was the chief songwriter for, for Meatloaf. Um, okay. But, the, but the, the vision he had for the band, of our, for, the, for the album, was this more raw-sounding album. And it really clashed with what the, what the band was going for. They wanted a more polished sound that was kind of an upgrade from Pyromania. Mm-hmm. And so eventually they parted, away with, parted ways with Steinman. And tried to produce it on their own uh, and just really kind of trudged through it and didn't get anywhere with uh, doing it on their own. And then they almost called it quits after having no success producing the album on their own. And after Rick Allen lost his arm in a car accident. Mm-hmm. Um, and then right after that happened, right after all that happened, Mutt Lang unexpectedly returned back to the production desk and told the band he wanted to produce the hard rock version of thriller (laughs) yeah Uh, okay and it's because of that that this album isn't as heavy as the band's previous two albums if you listen to uh their you know the pyromania and two before that and then listen to this it's, it's a very different sound they were a lot heavier before and and that's due to mutt lang wanting them to be so accessible that it could be the hard rock version of Thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, Lang tried to get them to to uh, replace Allen with, with a new drummer so they could plow ahead with, with the album. But the band stood by Rick Allen while he relearned how to play his kit, the, the guy that we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but they stood by him and said that that they were going to keep him in the band. That's so really because, cool. And so because of that, all the drumming on the album is is uh, is samples. Or it's an LM1 like they used on Pyromania. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy named David Simone, who at the time was the managing director of uh, Phonogram Records, said that the album might have been the most expensive record in uh, t- to be made in, in the UK at the time. It took uh, over three years to record the album. Uh, and the band was told that just to break even, with what they've spent on recording it, they were going to have to sell 5 million copies, uh, which, which now doesn't really, I mean, doesn't seem like that much because how, how many, you know, copies people sell of singles and how many downloads and listens. Right. You know, yeah. And, a lot easier to. Yeah. It's a lot work. easier. But back then 5 million copies was a big deal. 
Uh, and, and like I said just a minute ago, um, Hysteria went on to sell 20 million copies uh, and it dominated the charts around the world for three years and was certified 12 times platinum uh, by the Recording Industry Association of, Amer- Association of America in 2009. I had watched the one of the documentaries. It might have been there's a series called Classic Albums. Yes. That uh went into that and talked a little bit about you know why it took so long and all this and you know the journey that they went through and that break even i remember hearing that break even number five million copies just to yep. break even on everything that they had done done to get just, to that yeah. point and yeah. that was just insane to me yeah so. yeah that's that's i mean that that's a that's a i mean if you go back and look at albums that, that compare at the time five million was uh, was a big deal Mm-hmm. And so for them to for them to have to sell that just to break even had to seem like a, a daunting task. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, we put all this work in it. And if even if it becomes a hit, we may only break even. That's, <laughs> That's you know, crazy. I think that crazy. Yeah. So, so crazy. Uh, yeah. So um, the North American tour was done uh, in the round, uh, which means the band was in the middle of the arena on a circular stage. Right. And everybody was around him. The drum, the drummer, his little platform in the middle of it would would spin around a little. You know, not like mm-hmm. not like Tommy Lee spin around, but, <laughs> but it yeah. would it would it would rotate so that he could face right. yeah all all sides of the stage, and the band would just run around the the outside of the stage. And you could and, see that set up in uh, the "Pour Some Sugar on Me" video, yes. and I believe Armageddon. It I yes. think theirs were filmed. It looks like those were filmed like in the yes, same. That's exactly they're, oh, they're They come from a, 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 a live show that they recorded. Right. And uh, that's, ex- that's exactly what the stage setup was. So um, I saw them on this tour in, I think it was December of 87. Okay. Um, <laughs> I had to lie to my parents <laughs> to go to the show. So it was on a Wednesday that night. Double music. I know it was on a Wednesday night. <laughs> I told my parents that we were going to a Christian band, a Christian <laughs> rock concert. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, they, the, the, so the guy I went with, he went to my church and he, they, you know, they trusted him and believed him, believed that that's what we were doing. <laughs> so I, uh, I had to, I took extra clothes to change into. So that when I came home, I didn't smell like smoke and marijuana. <laughs> now that is a plan, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. That but, is a plan. I, but I saw the show. Tesla opened up for him. That's the first time I'd ever seen Tesla. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that literally, it's easily one of the top five concerts I've ever been to in my life. Nice. Was just the, just because of the stage set up and the, you know the curtain was up around it before they started. There were lasers everywhere. And then when the curtain dropped, it, it was just 100 miles an hour until the end of the of the encore. It was just probably at, at the time, it was the best show I'd, I'd ever seen. And even now at 52 years old, it's easily top five shows that I've seen in my lifetime. That's great. So, so like I said, it spawned seven singles. Um, the first two. So in America, the first single was one was was a woman. And I didn't realize that. Yeah. In every other part of the world, <laughs> the first single was Animal. 
So when they released women in in the U.S., it didn't even it didn't even make a dent on the on the countdown. It got up to number eighty, and that wow. was it. That's yeah. probably why I didn't realize it was yeah, uh, exactly. Released. I remember seeing the video when it first came out, though, and thinking, "Holy, holy crap, this is going to be amazing!" <laughs> and then, it, and, you know, it, of course, that song doesn't go anywhere. Um, but their second single in America was "Animal," that was released in August of '87. It got to number six. Uh, then the big one, Pour Some Sugar On Me, was released in September of 87. Um, it got all the way to number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hysteria was next. It got up to number 10. And then a couple of months later, Armageddon it came out. That got to number three. And then the band's only number one song came out in July of 88, Love Bites. It got all the way to number one. And then the last single from the album was Rocket, which got to number 12, which came out uh 17 months after the <laughs> album debuted that's crazy right so there's yeah. your seven singles uh with the exception of, of of women they all got into the top into the top 10 and then and, uh, five of them got into the top in or yeah in the top 10 so yeah. pretty uh pretty on par with with thriller like you know mutt Langley oh yeah the hard, yeah. hard rock version of thriller he literally pulled that off so uh, yeah, thinking about that comparison now, and oh yeah, you know, and that many fun- singles. I didn't, you know, you don't think about that because I don't know. It seems like they play "Pour Some Sugar on Me." Well, they overplay "Pour Some Sugar on yes. Me" nowadays. <laughs> yes, they do. And, and every once in a while, you'll hear one of the other ones. Usually, "Animal" and maybe "Hysteria." Yeah, but I never hear "Love Bites" anymore. I never hear "Armageddon." It. So it's deceptive how many singles. Yeah. And here's the here's the funny part. There. When I saw them in concert for that show, they weren't even doing Hysteria. They didn't do Armageddon. It. They didn't do Love Bites. They didn't do <laughs> oh Rocket God. because they weren't singles yet. They were still doing a lot of Pyromania. They did. Uh, yeah. They did. I think if I remember right, they, they did Animal and Pour Some Sugar on Me, and maybe Women. I think, but that was. I mean, that show. Looking back on it. I didn't even hear half of the good songs in concert because they were still doing all their old stuff. (laughs) That's how long that album was out and how many, you know, how long it took to get all those singles out. Yeah. Um, So, so anyway, that's a little history of the album. Um, And so what Jason and I thought we would do is just go track by track and uh, listen to the, listen to the track and talk about it a little bit. So the first track on the album is women. So that's a great opening track. I like the way it fades in and how the guitar and the vocal yep, pretty solid. Intro before the rest of the band kicks in. I remember hearing it the first time and uh, and just thinking it kind of reminded me of uh, of the intro to Foolin' from, from Pyromania. Okay, yeah. You know how it kind of just kind of fades in. But I remember hearing women for the first time when the first time I put that tape in. And uh, just thinking, God, this is going to be a crazy album. <laughs> and but- and it was, I mean, it was, it's, it's, you know, it's, it was a great opening track for, for, for the whole set of songs. Yeah. And it, it, you think of first track songs, a lot of times they just blast you Yeah, and it's not the most uptempo song on the album by any means, but it kind of sets the tone. Yeah. And, you know, personally, I would have thought maybe something a little bit more uptempo would have kicked off the album, but I do like it there. I had no idea there was a music video for it until 
you know, <laughs> looking up and, and going back and listening to the songs yeah. for the show. And it's so cool. It's like this comic book and they show scenes with the band. But uh, I was just curious if this comic book was a real thing. But uh, apparently it was just one of a kind that they yeah, did just for, for the, the video. video. Yeah. So it would be fun if they kind of re-released it or, you know, pushed it online at some point. Uh, the comic book for women. Yeah. When I saw them uh, four years ago, uh-huh. during the, during, during the song, they showed the comic book frames cool. on the screens. And I, I had totally forgotten that that was part of the video until they did that. And I was like, Oh man, I totally, I, that just lost my memory of that video until they showed those comic book frames on the screen. Yeah. So it's great, but that's a great, it was a great, uh, it's a great, you know, gimmick for, for what yeah. they were doing. Yeah. The so. visuals at the time. I mean, that's oh, was yeah. really cool. Yeah. So uh, track number two is rocket. So the layers in this song are ridiculous. I mean, if you, go back and just like if you put headphones on and just try to concentrate on one part there are so many layers uh in the song that it's 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 just it's just mind-boggling if you listen to the guitar break in the middle there are vocals that are matching it behind it um and if you watch that documentary Uh that that you mentioned earlier the uh, classic album documentary on i think it's on amazon prime i think you're right um, um Joe Elliott and Phil Collin actually are in the recording studio and they isolate like eight tracks and it's just the guitar breakdown and the vocals that are behind it. And there's just in that part alone, there's so much going on in that song that it's, I mean, no wonder it took you three and a half years to record this album. Yeah. And people that uh, listen to the radio version are getting robbed. Oh, it's just so much in the album cut, the, that weird kind of intro and um, just all the funky sound effects that they add in there that you just get lost in the, the single version, but yeah, Yeah. uh, just their, it's their signature sound when you hear this. And I swear I had no idea what they were singing in the chorus until I just looked it up for this show. Oh really? Uh, Yeah. I was like, okay, so they're singing satellite of love and not save the lion. So, uh, <laughs> is that what you thought they were saying? I mean, that's what it sounded like to me. <laughs> I had awesome. no idea. I had no that's idea. That's awesome. But, uh, that's awesome. the music video is pretty dope because you get this kind of rock history lesson. Yeah. You, when you listen to the lyrics, too, all the songs but, that they that they mentioned in the lyrics, uh, yeah, it matches up perfectly. Like, yeah, they you get the visual Jack Flash, uh, Rocket Man, uh, Sergeant Pepper, Ziggy Stardust uh what else is there benny and the jets i think yep yeah um, killer queen mm-hmm. mentioned major toms so there's a bunch of references to songs that they love yeah yeah so the video is really cool yeah i think that's my i think the lyrics are my favorite part of this song just because they were able to incorporate <laughs> all of that i mean as 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 nuanced and layered as the music is and how good i mean as good as it is i think my i think this is probably the one song on the album that I like for the, the lyrics alone. Mm-hmm. So what about you? Oh, agreed. Yeah. Yeah. The lyrics make the song. There's a lot of misunderstood, misunderstood lyrics uh, throughout <laughs> this album that we'll talk about 
as we get to them. But <laughs> yeah, they're, uh, I don't know if it's just Joe Elliott's voice or my ear, you know, that so he um, does, he does uh, pronounce takes, certain words differently to yeah. make them fit. He does that on pyromania too, but he, he uh, uh, pronounces words yeah. a certain yeah. way to make them fit the lyrics. So, <laughs> yeah. So uh, track number three will be, would be animal. So again, depending on where you lived in the world, this might have been the second song you heard or the first song you heard. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why they did that. I don't. I mean, I think it's probably a record company uh, choice, but uh, I would I, I would have much rather this been their first single in America than than Women. Mm-hmm. But uh, so this song it took the entire recording process three years for them to get what <laughs> the version you hear on the album. It took them three years to record that. That's crazy. Yeah, because they kept they kept changing it. They kept, you know, nuancing certain tracks. They changed at one point they changed the entire second verse. Um <laughs> at really? one point I yeah. read that I, uh, uh, when it, when they first took it into Mutt Lang, he's like, "Great song. We can make it better." And he changed everything that they did. <laughs> so, I mean, but hey, I mean, he sold you 20 million albums. Apparently he knows what he's doing. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you've done this just looking at all the tracks on here, but I kind of ranked them in my head, what my favorites are. Yeah. So I'm putting this at number three oh. um, on the album as my third favorite track. I love Joe's vocals on this. It's so great in his lower kind of yeah. register there, really raspy. Yep. And then he gets really high in that pre-chorus. And it's just another song that has those answer vocals that I love. Yes. Specifically at the end of the song. And I want. Yes. And I need. And you hear Joe, take me. Yeah. You know it. Oh, he gosh. Was, it's so he was great. Such a, he was such a good singer when he was in his prime. I mean, he can still, he can still obviously can, can, mm-hmm. you know, can still manage. They're still it, touring. Yeah. They're so still touring. <laughs> but uh, I, um, recently, uh, uh 80s on eight or i don't know if it's 80s on eight or if it's hair nation mm-hmm. it did a, a tiny sh- a tiny tiny desk show it was def leopard at the whiskey a go-go mm-hmm. um and it had a small crowd there to listen to him play and a lot of their songs are tuned down now right so so he can you know still He's sing so yeah still get yeah. there yeah. but man when he was in his prime you know with oh, Romania and yeah. this album dude can sing i mean he yeah. had some chops now I love this song. It's got that false ending and I love false endings. If yes. done right. And yeah. this song gets it. I just yes. love it. It stopped. And then he goes again and then you get this little laugh at the very end of the song. Really cool. <laughs> but I remember discovering the extended version, like the 12 inch version of the song in the days of Napster. So I'm, you know, downloading oh, wow. stuff on Napster and I see that there's a four minute version and a seven and a half minute version. I'm like, Lord so almighty. Good God. I'm going to take the longer <laughs> one, you know? So I grabbed that. I didn't realize that all it does is extend the song and it adds literally a step between the lyrics. So it's where you get, uh, oh, yeah, okay. you know, like uh, a lyric in four beats, it goes out to eight beats and then it just, the, it extends the song. So there's really nothing new added to it. 
But I mean, right. at the time I thought it was cool, but now I look back <laughs> and I'm like, okay, like, hey. so now you're just, you might as well hit, you know, repeat on the song twice and get <laughs> the, uh, twice around. get the album version versus the extended version. But <laughs> I do awesome. love the song. It's, it's so great. So uh, track number four is love bites. So this is the song that has the, uh, the, the rumor uh, about the uh, <laughs> the lyric the, at the end, yeah, the hidden line in the in the song, and I've I remember hearing this when I was a teenager, and and even today I went back just to remind myself what it sounds like. If you listen, you can hear what the, so what the rumor is is after the line that says, "If you've got love in your sights, watch out, love bites," and then seemingly as it's fading out, you hear a voice say, "Jesus of Nazareth." go to hell. Mm-hmm. So the, so the rumor, you know, when I was, a, when I was in high school, that was, that was the satanic panic rumor. Yeah. Um, and it's been refuted by the band and they say it's, it's actually Mutt Lang rambling on in his English accent um, and saying, yes, it does bloody hell. <laughs> now I was over on Amazon today, Amazon um, for you prime members, the album is free over there. You can listen to it. Uh, And I go to the Amazon lyrics and it says, yes, it does. It will, uh, it will be hell, something like that. Oh, well, I mean, if you, I mean, you hear what you're, what you're thinking you're going to hear, just like all that other stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you're particularly listening for something where you're going to hear it without wanting to hear Jesus of Nazareth, go to hell. You're going to hear Jesus of Nazareth. (laughs) But but then if you go, oh, well, he's saying, yes, it does bloody hell. And you listen to it again. That's what you hear. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it's, it's crazy going over to you. So I listened to it on YouTube last night. And yeah. it faded early, like uh, before you don't even hear it. You yeah. don't even hear it there. Yeah. So, and when they play it know. on when they play it on XM, you don't hear that part either. You yeah, you, barely, well, you barely hear the if you've got love on your side to watch out love bites. Yeah, and that was more the radio edit back yeah, in the day. They right. faded that a lot earlier than they do, you yeah. know, for the album. But yeah, I think it's uh, it's an okay track. Definitely not my favorite on there. I think Rick Savage's bass really shines on the song, though. Yeah, it is. It's it's not of the two ballads. It's it's not my favorite. Um, and uh, and actually, uh, Mutt Lang said it was a it was a veiled attempt at a country at a country western ballad. <laughs> and and after after I read that, I'm like, yeah, I can see that. It kind of sounds that way. Eh, um, yeah, so yeah, maybe. it's a good it's a good song. I mean, it's you know, it is what it is, but it's not it's it's definitely not my favorite song on yeah. the album. So. Uh, track number five is everyone's favorite, Pour Some Sugar On Me. So I realized last week just how old I am because uh, there's a commercial out now for a sweetener and they're using a <laughs> quote unquote bastardized version of Pour Some Sugar On Me. Yeah, yeah. And I, I literally felt myself age about 10 more years when i heard that <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm with you on that there's several yeah. songs out there that yeah why are we listening to heart during a swiffer <laughs> commercial yes i mean come on people yes so uh pour some sugar on me was the last track they recorded for the album uh and as as opposed to the uh three years it took to record animal it only took them mm. two weeks to complete from start to finish <laughs> um, and of course it's, you know, it's probably their biggest hit ever. 
Yeah. Uh, but it was so it got to number two and it was held out of the top spot by Richard Marks and hold on to the night. That Richard Marks guy held out a lot of good music <laughs> from the number one spot. No, you know, <laughs> in his defense, he's a pretty damn good songwriter. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not I'm not trying to diss him at yeah, all. No, I don't. I'm just we joking. were talking about uh what was it, Bobby Brown, maybe that uh, he held him was, out. Yeah, he held yeah. he held several people out of the top spot. So uh he has a little bit of a spoiler. But... Yeah. So, yeah. Um, this is, you know, so like I said a few minutes ago, I saw them four years ago. Uh, it was, it was Def Leppard and Journey. Journey was amazing. Def Leppard, and it, it, it hurt me to think this when I was at the show, but Def Leppard actually, the first couple of songs, they sounded like a cover band of Def Leppard. Oh. Um, because the songs were tuned down and they weren't, yeah. you know, they just, it just didn't sound right. And it was a great show. It was it was my wife's first time to see Def Leppard. She loved it. I was, you know, I was like, hey, it's Def Leppard. It's, you know, it is what it is. But the last song they did in the, on the night was Pour Some Sugar on Me. Uh, it wasn't tuned down. They played it just like the album. And it's, it's like they saved their entire show for that song right there. Oh, and it good. sounded like it did when I saw them in the round in 1987. It was the best song of the night. Awesome. Uh, it's it's just, I mean, it's the quintessential 80s song. It is, and I'll give it that. It you said uh, everybody's favorite. It's not my favorite on the album. I would actually put it's, it at, it's not it's not mine either on the, okay. on the album. On the album, but yeah, I mean, if you you know, given if you take a wide enough, you know it's their most popular song, yes, probably. Yes. That's a better um, way to say it. I would rank it number four actually on the album myself, but I, it's such a great song. I love the intro. I swear, though, this song is probably the most misinterpreted of any song in history. <laughs> the, the lyrics on this one, you know, I'm I'm listening. I'm hearing something about a conversion van and a red iPhone. But, uh, you know, I, that's that's what my windshield tells me, at least when I'm sitting oh down the road. Gosh, that's but, amazing. Yeah, this this is probably the number one song for me that I've just totally screwed up the lyrics over the years. And I'm not, I wasn't so singing funny. iPhone back in 87, but right. now when I hear it, I'm like, yeah, okay, so the, he's he's got an iPhone back in 1987. What's <laughs> going on? Traveler. Yeah. That's so <laughs> funny. Yeah, I that swear. So funny. It, I would encourage people, go out to Google get the lyrics and see what you've been uh, miss singing all these years because it's very fun. Trust me. This is a, it's another song where he, or Joe Elliott uh, mispronounces words to make them fit in the, in the lyrics. Yeah. Which I think, which I think lends, lends to the not hearing the lyrics. Right. Yeah. So um, this, so uh, just this song is done on the, uh, Oh no, I'm going to blank on the, on the musical it's not rock star but it's uh rock oh, of ages oh, okay. it's rock of ages um and in the movie uh the character that sings this song is tom cruise and uh, it's <laughs> it's pretty if you get a chance go look it up on on youtube it's pretty comical it'll 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 rid yeah, you of, it'll it'll rid you of any of any like <laughs> that you had for this song. <laughs> See, and that's, I knew when that movie came out that yeah. I just needed to stay away from it and nothing against, there's some talented people on I there. Like the, I like the movie. Tom Cruise All is not a Tom singer. Cruise. No, yeah. he's not. No. He is not. 
<laughs> not at so all. So I have I have not watched it. I've stayed away from it. Yeah. Oh. Uh, track number six is Armageddon. It. So probably not my favorite track on the album. Oh wow! I don't know why. I just I never connected with this song. I mean, I like it. I, I mean, I don't ever. I don't. There's not a song on the album that, that I skip. That, <laughs> right, that I skip yeah, past. Yeah. But in personal the, pecking order, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't rank this in my top five. I don't. What do you? Do you like? I mean, is it one of your favorites? It's my number one. Is on it really? Album. Oh my gosh! Yes. Wow. And I will go if I need a Def Leppard fix. Yeah. I am punching Armageddon at first. Wow. Yeah. I just, I love the tempo, how it builds up to the chorus uh, at the beginning and at the end. You got that answer vocal in there that I just love, you know, give me all your love and every little bit, you know, yeah. I, ooh, I just love that. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get that, uh, it's a, it's in there a couple of times where they answer, are you getting it? Yeah. Oh, am I getting it? it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I love the break, the break, you know, come on, Steve, get it. And then yeah. he comes in and boom, boom. And the drums are so big on it. Oh, it just gets me going, man. I love this <laughs> song so much. So I, I it's don't know definitely why, I don't, my favorite. I don't know why I just never connected with it. Like I did, uh, several other songs on the album. I don't know why it's not a bad song. It's, I mean, it's, it's a great song. I just, I, um, I just never connected with it. Like I did uh, yeah. some of the other songs. Yeah. So. It just, and that's, if you would have told me, you know, what my favorite song was on this album, maybe 10 years ago. And, you know, before that it would have been pour some sugar on me, but I don't know, just in the last little bit, Armageddon is my, my go-to for Def Leppard. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. I love it. Very interesting. And such a great, I mean, I'm thinking of this album as a side one, side two on a cassette. Yes. You know, this being the last song on side one, and it just makes you want to flip it. You know, I mean, that's so great about, I think the, you know, the first track with women, Armageddon, it, and then Gods of War on side two and Love and Affection on the end. It just makes you want to flip the cassette or flip yeah. the record over. Yeah. I mean, because they're, they're such good beginning songs and good ending yeah. songs. The uh, when, the, when the album came out or when the tape came out, um, the car I was driving, the cassette deck would automatically flip your tape for you. Auto like, reverse. You know, auto yep. reverse. Yep. And I would leave this tape in there for <laughs> days and it would just keep flipping it over and yep. over. I would just because. Yep. I just never got tired of them. My like, first car had the same thing. Yeah, yeah, that was the best. That was the best feature because oh, it was. Just, yeah, it was just like it was like endless Def Leppard for days. <laughs> Don't have to flip the cassette. Look Don't at me, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, track number seven is "Gods of War." Now this one is probably my favorite track on the album. Okay. I love and I love every part of this song, every single part. Um, but my favorite part by far are the guitars, uh, especially that main riff that you hear in the beginning. Right. God, that is so good. Steve Clark, God bless him. God rest his soul. He was the master at writing those kind of, those kind of licks. That's, mm -hmm. I mean, if you listen to other bands at the time, they didn't have as intricate, uh, you know, guitar licks as what Steve Clark would play. And even Phil Collin has said that about Steve Clark, that he would, you know, they would all sit there and try to pick out, you know, 
boards and, and mm-hmm. you know, alter, you know, what do something with them. And Steve would walk in and play these these weird licks, and they would all just be in awe of what he came up with. Um, so this is this is probably my this is my Armageddon. It. I I love this song. Okay, yeah, it's a seamless fit. This was what I wrote for the album. Yeah, and just a great. I think the the intro is almost two minutes to start the side, and it just kind of gets you back in that mood. It's got a killer bass groove. That's what I yeah. noticed yes. listening yes. to the song. So I can see why why you chose it uh, yeah. as your favorite because it is yeah. really good and in a just a great song to kick off the second side. You know, yeah, I love the chorus. I love just the way I love you know the way their vocals. Um, they they've mixed their vocals on the chorus. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just I, when I the first time I heard this song, I played. I just kept rewinding it and playing it because I love now, it so much. Does Steve and Phil kind of switch sometimes and do the solos or was uh, Steve didn't very rarely did solos. He was more of the rhythm guy. Phil, okay. Phil, does, Phil is the solo guy. Yeah, He's mainly. the heavy. He's heavy on the solos. Yeah. I don't know. It's just so neat to have uh, multiple electric guitars in a band. Yeah. And there's a, a you know few of them out there that do that um, with just, you know, Joe being on vocals, but um, I love that too. And listening into the headphones this time too, in my, my new headphones that I love to use for the show, um, you can really hear them kind of going back and forth in several yeah. songs. And this is one of them. Yeah, yeah. it's good. Yeah. Also this came out right at the height of the cold war. And so the, the, or, you know, the, the audio of Ronald Reagan and uh, right, Robert yeah. Thatcher yeah. was really kind of, and this is about, as I read somebody said of the song, this is about as close to a, protest song that you're going to get out of Def Leppard mm-hmm. um, just because it was so time, you know, those, those uh, audio clips were so timely in there in those songs. Yeah. So uh, track number eight is don't shoot shotgun. So this song has another great set of guitar riffs um, mm-hmm. that, I, that I just love. So when they recorded the album, because Mutt Lang was already dead set at that time on layering, you know, songs with, you know, multiple guitar layers and vocal layers. They used this guitar effect called a Rockman. And it's, it was, it's, it's made by Tom Scholes, the guitar player for, for Boston, mm-hmm. who is, who is actually an MIT engineer. <laughs> um, and he built this, this guitar effect called a Rockman. Um, and that's what they use to record all of the guitar parts for this album. Well, uh, when I was in high school, my guitar teacher was a huge Tom Scholes Boston fan. And around, I don't know, 88 or so, he decided to re- completely redo his rig. And he gave me, he, so he had uh, oh, two, wow. two Rockman um, effects units in his rig. And he just gave them to me because he didn't want them anymore. Wow. So I was like, Oh wow! I have, you know, I have the gear that they used on on the album, and like a like a, I mean, part of my language, like a dumbass, <laughs> I sold those in college for like a hundred bucks a piece. Oh no! Because oh, I no. because there was something else I wanted. Well, now if you yeah. go on if you go on eBay, you can't find those things for less than four hundred bucks a piece. Yeah. So now I'm kicking myself for for having got rid of that. <laughs> but that sound is what lends it is is what creates those great guitar riffs. And this song is just full of, of, of great guitar sounds. And it's, it's got a great riff, great main riff. And uh, it's, probably, oh, yeah. it's one of my favorite songs in the album. Yeah. It's very solid, very up-tempo, great to crank in the car. 
Yes. Great yeah. driving song. So, Gods of War is great, but when you get to this one, I'm like tuning up a couple notches more yeah. <laughs> on the yeah. volume. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Uh, track number nine is Run Riot. I love the cadence of the lyrics when Joe sings the verses. Mm-hmm. Very, very staccato, very quick. Um, and I love the chorus of the song. It's so catchy and so hooky. You know, I'm, you know, there's so many great hooks on the, on the album that they, that they put together and yeah, that you don't even realize you're singing, you're singing along with, you know, just <laughs> during the day. Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's uh, great. And uh, they have, they have the most distinct gang vocals that I can ever remember from. I would any, agree. From yeah. Any time. Um, and I, and one of the, one of the documentaries I watched, um, which is crazy that there's more, there's more than one for this album. There's more than, there's <laughs> yeah, more than one documentary. There is. There um, is. There's, I can't remember what song it is, but um, Mutt Lang says there are 11 tracks recorded just for the gang vocals. That's crazy. And cause he would, he would, you know, record people a certain way. He even re- would record people backwards and then he would like speed, he would speed up the music and slow it down so that your voice was different, you know, different tone. Yeah. And that's how, that's how they get, that's how they get their, their gang vocals. And nobody else sounds like that. And nobody else has ever sounded like that. No, that's, that's, no. that's distinctive to Def Leppard. Yeah. And there, it, I, it, it is great. I mean, at points it's, it makes it sound like Joe is just double track, triple tracked, whatever, yeah. but if you really hear the layers and like, you know, watching those documentaries too, you see how much they put behind the backing vocals and it's, yeah. it's not just Joe. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's all of them. And that's, that's one thing that uh, when, after Steve Clark died and they replaced him with Vivian Campbell, Vivian Campbell said, when I first came to the band, I realized they weren't just musicians that they weren't just a band. They, you know, they could all sing, they could all play an instrument. They were consummate musicians. They weren't just mm-hmm. four guys that just happened to make it big. They oh were, yeah, they were. They practiced their craft and they were good at their craft. Absolutely. So, so, yeah, this yeah. is a very solid song. I mean, I like at the beginning. The tempo kind of fools you a little bit at the beginning, and then just kicks in. Yeah. And I big kick drums in this song. Yes. More. I don't know. There's. There's a. Uh, you can hear them probably in most songs on the album, but just for me, it was just more prominent in this song, maybe than some of the others. Yeah. Is how much of those, those kick drums really blow your eardrums out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great song though. Uh, track number 10 is hysteria. So of the two, the two ballads on the album, like I said, this is probably my favorite. This is probably my number two song on the album. Yeah. My, mine my too. second favorite song. Uh, I love I love playing this on guitar, uh, the whole song, but I really love playing the breakdown in the middle when it gets, it gets, you know, it gets really, oh, it gets yeah. kind of heavy and, and the distortion comes in. That's so rock and roll to play. I mean, you just, it's, 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 it's one of those sections that you play with that, that ugly look on your face when you're, when you're <laughs> got your guitar strapped yeah. on and you're yeah. in a rock and roll stance. You just got that ugly, you know, stank look on your face and you're playing with it. <laughs> I love playing this song. It's such a, it's, and again, you know, as, as every other song on this album it is just so layered. And so there's so many things in the corners that you don't hear unless you have very deceptive. Yeah. yeah. It's just because you hear it so much yes. and you're not listening to all the little details in the song, yep. but yep. this is another one of those songs. It's just the signature Def Leppard sound to me. Yes. And this, and, this is, this is, yeah. I, I mean, 
it, it's 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 the song I think of uh, from high school for Def Leppard because it played at my at my prom. Yeah, I, rem- I remember it being like one of the last songs that played, uh, you know, to, yeah, to for a slow dance before the prom is over. <laughs> so, but yeah, just uh, again, the kick drums, uh, especially the, there's several fills in yes. this one, and they just build up to that solo. And then just, I, I believe it's Phil, just watching from the video, he just kills yes. it with the solo. It's one of those solos like we talked about. You can sing it in your head. Yes. If you can sing, sing it in your head, it's top notch. Yeah, And exactly. I can do that, you know, just thinking about hysteria and that solo comes up. So great. So great. Yeah. I'm really surprised that this one, I'm surprised that Love Bites went to number one and that this one didn't. I am too. Because overall, I think this is a better song, and I just I can't. I, it just it blows me away that it barely cracked the top ten. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way, man. There's, yeah, it's one of those song. songs. Just I've listened to over the years more and more, and the more I listen to it, the more it's just better and better and better. Yeah, you know. So I good. was I was at a, a happy hour several years ago, um, and there was a guy there playing. Uh, it was just him and acoustic guitar, and then a guy playing some percussion stuff. Um, and he started playing the intro riff for this song. Uh, and literally the entire bar knew what it was. <laughs> yeah. And cheer and like with like, you know, cheering and and you know, ready to hear and play. That's how that's how popular that song was. It, even now, people still know that intro lick to that song. Yeah. So uh track number eleven is excitable. Very hooky song. It's got a great hook to it in the chorus. Um, mm-hmm. I love, I love the gang vocals in the chorus. Yeah, very interesting song. There's some craziness right at the beginning. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but yeah. Uh, it's another one where the bass I think really shines yeah. when you listen to it. Yeah, and the break is really fun. Yeah, it's really playful between the drums and the guitars. Yeah, and oh yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a, you know, it's one of those catchy. It's got a great hook to it. It's catchy. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's a kind of, it's the kind of, I, I call it, I call it a stomper. It just makes you want to stomp your feet yeah. and you sing along to it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Great song. Um, so the last track on the album, number 12 is love and affection. Probably for me, this is the best solo guitar solo on the album. Um, yeah. it, I, I think Phil does a great job on it. Uh, but it's, I think it's the best one on there. There's, there's not a whole lot of solos. There's a lot. No, of, there, there really isn't. Yeah. Uh, compared to Pyromania, there's, a, you know, there's, there's solo parts where they're like, you know, guitars are playing it, but it's not like an actual solo right. on every song. And this one is an actual solo. Um, I love the solo and I love the outro of the song. How 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 they t- how they take yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I I wrote down. It just makes you want to flip the record or you know yeah. change it over. Exactly. And, I mean, I mean. Mm. Uh, I mean, I was listening to the album yesterday um, on Spotify, and when, and this is how much I flipped it. My cassette deck flipped it. As soon as "Love and Affection" was over, I was starting to sing, starting to sing "Women", women in, in yeah. my head because yeah. I was waiting for it to wrap back around, and, and it didn't do it. But that's crazy. That's just that. Just I mean, I remember just having Def Leppard for days when this album came out, just because of you know of it flipping over automatically in my yeah. car. Um, but this is this is this is a great song. It's it's um, oh yeah, it's uh, it, I don't I, I don't want to say it's not 
it doesn't stand out a lot, but it's still a great song. Well, what I wrote down was, you know, there's certain like Def Leppard chords and I'm not musically knowledgeable to decipher notes and what notes they're playing, but this is definitely like a Def Leppard chord progression for sure. Yes. And it just puts you in that. It's like a, like a signature sound for them. And that's Steve. That's another, that's another Steve Clark thing. Mm -hmm. So he was, I mean, he was just, I mean, consummate guitar player and, you you don't really i mean unless you really do investigation on it you don't really you don't really get how integral he was to their sound mm-hmm. so so that's all 12 tracks from the hysteria man. album man that's i mean it's just not a bad song on there, there no really there really isn't yeah it's just one of those you put on and you press play now and yeah. uh I mean, even the, go, ones that I, even the ones go, that I'm not, you know, that I don't like, I still like. Yeah, um, yeah. I can't, there's, there aren't too many albums that I will listen to start to, there's just about, I can think of a handful of albums that, you know, that I'll, I'll skip over songs just because right. eh, I don't like that. Um, and that's the beauty of, of Spotify or, you know, of streaming music. You can create your playlist and leave those songs out. That's right. The, the, all 12 of these songs are on my hysteria playlist. And <laughs> they play and I will play, you know, play them all. So, yeah, it's like, uh, I don't know, comfort food for yeah. to put you back in the 80s mindset. Yeah. And you want to go back there. I mean. Van Halen's jump is probably my first one to grab if I want to get back in that eighties kind of mindset, but, and for an album that I can just leave on and play in the background and go do the dishes or whatever, you know, around the house. (laughs) Uh, But this is another one too, where it's just one of those albums you put on, you keep it in the background and just puts you back in the, there's so good. Everybody has good memories. I think surrounding this album. Oh yeah. Certain songs maybe, but, I think for us, it's the whole whole stinking album. It's oh, yeah. so good. I mean, you know, I, easily I would say it's one of the top five albums to come out of the eighties. Yeah, I would even dare say it might be top three. Yeah, yeah, um, I'm, I'm with you on this, man. Yeah, you don't have I to mean, convince me. <laughs> <laughs> You're preaching to the choir. But... Yeah, it's it's that's how good it is. And and yeah. quite honestly, I you know, if I were to list off those top three, it might be the only one I still listen to. Mm-hmm. all the way all the way through so well this is great i'm glad uh hopefully everybody listened to this on spotify uh we meant to mention that at the top of the show yeah, we're, we're putting the that. tracks uh in the lyrics uh putting the tracks in the uh after we mentioned the uh song titles right. so you can listen along as we are commenting on this but this was fun going through an album track by track i think we should do it again Man, 35 years. That's crazy. That is crazy. It's <laughs> unbelievable. We're getting old as dirt, man. Old <laughs> well, as dirt. Some of us are older than others. True. So, um, so leave us a comment on Twitter. I am at Eric underscore Vardaman. He is at RD80s. Uh, let us know if you have any memories of the album, what your, yeah. favorite, what your favorite tracks are, uh, what your favorite tracks aren't. Yeah. Um, Send us your top five. That'd be fun. Yeah. That'd be great to see see what other people think. Yeah. So uh, thank you for joining us for this special episode of the greatest lists. And we'll see you back on our regular countdown soon. You've been listening to the greatest lists.